Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. But look around you, your family, your faith. They're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung hero of her king and country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Good morning, good night, good evening, actually, depending on where you are in the world. I'm Cynthia Garrett. Welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. And uh, you know where you've tuned in, whether you're watching on live stream at Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel or on any of the Salem media platforms, or if you're listening on podcast on any of your favorite podcast channels, welcome. This is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to apply real faith, because it's about the only way that I know how to approach anything that is challenging every day in my life, is trying to figure out what real faith really looks like and um, how real faith really treats other people and thinks about other people and considers other people. And to that note, we have been really uh, excited actually about a podcast that you're going to listen to right here next week. We had a very special guest on. His name is Beckett Cook. He is the host of the Beckett Cook podcast, and he has written a book called Change of Affection, pretty powerful book that got him canceled in a lot of mediums and arenas, especially in Hollywood by a lot of his close friends. So please tune in next week for that pretty powerful interview with the entire Girl Club tribe, your co-hosts, Nova, Christina, and Christina. And joining me in studio today are your regulars, your co-hosts. They are two women who really know the word of God and love the word of God. And um, we're going to dive into a conversation that we were sort of having last week, but we were left with a pretty big question. So please welcome in studio Nova Page and Christina Boudreaux. Good morning, you guys. There they are. <laughs> now, we're, now we're all on screen for those of you watching. So you guys, we were kind of talking about double-mindedness um, last week mm-hmm. and, um, and identity which is kind of interesting because you guys all know that all things I believe relate back to identity, period. All of your struggles, all of your 
feelings, your emotions, it all kind of relates back to your identity in some way and the strength in which we're able to walk in our God-given identity. So first you got to know what your God-given identity is, and then you got to know how to walk in it. But this was an interesting comment from a woman who had never really heard much about double-mindedness. Now, a lot of you know that the Bible says uh, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his or her ways. I love that scripture because I find it to be so true as I deal with believers um, constantly. You know, it's like if you don't have a single mind about Christ and about the word of God and about, you know, how to walk it out, I think what happens is you find yourself kind of living your life in a very wishy-washy kind of way. You know, I, I, I have a couple of really close Christian brothers who are the kings of it. You know, they say one thing, they do another. Or they'll commit, commit, commit today because they're so passionately committed today about whatever it may be. And then three days from now, you know, they've kind of changed. I have two brothers in my life that I get on constantly about this, actually. Um, so there it is, James 1.8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So let's read a question that came in. Anna, you want to pop it on screen? So this is a question from Girl Club member Annette. And she says, I've raised four children practically on my own. And I'm trying to figure out how to slow down my brain and honestly my life. You said during Girl Club that day, this would have been last week, that slowing down our mind was one way to combat double-mindedness. Can you give me some practical ways to slow things down that may have worked for you or the other girls? Well... I kind of figured the best place to bring this question was to you guys, you know, and what are some of the ways that you slow your mind down? And I guess that you try to deal with, you know, being a, 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 being someone who is single-minded, you know, about, about their life in Christ so that there is double-mindedness, big challenge. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, I think, you know, the what first comes to mind is our phones. Like personally, I don't really watch TV. I don't watch movies. My screen time when it comes to those things is like zero. Just mm. because like I am single, I live alone. But it's one of those things where my life is so noisy to begin with. Like I'm so busy with ministry and modeling and people that like if my brain doesn't turn off when I come home and if I'm just numbing out like on screen time, like on social media or I mean, I do, I do have social media, but if I'm just watching hours of movies or hours of Netflix or TV, like your brain never shuts off. And so many people do that right before they go to bed and your brain never rests because it's constantly stimulated. And there's so many like images. There's so much like, emotion that's stimulated through movies through tv shows of like crying and anger and action and violence that no wonder why people go to bed feeling exhausted and they wake up feeling exhausted because you never truly unplug and so I'm not saying you have to live life like an Amish person I don't do that but even if you like just bring down your screen time every week, you know, maybe if you do like a movie or two a week with the family, instead of seven nights a week, maybe do board games, maybe do a walk, maybe do something else that doesn't involve um, 
just like your brain being extra stimulated because I had to do that like in August of last year I was going for so long and my brain's constantly stimulated on tour because I'm going I'm hearing crazy stories from kids in gangs you know and cartel kids and all this stuff as we're traveling and rehabs that my brain sometimes when I come home never rests because I'm just constantly going. And in August of last year, my friend on my whosoever's team called me and he said, you need to sit this one out. I was supposed to be back in Mexico, but I had been on the road for a few months and I really just had to honestly stay home for a few days. But what that few days was, was intentionally shutting off my social media getting in the word, going through Bible studies, podcasts, going for walks on the beach. Like it takes a lot of work to rest. And I think it really does start with honestly, our media, our media, our social media and our phones. Like that's what's a big cause of a lot of people's stress and feeling drained is just being overly stimulated all the time. So, and that works for me as a single person. That's good. Practical. That's really good practical advice for sure. I know because I've got little people and my husband and I that are, you know, a lot of what he does is on his phone. So I did create a space where we put our, our um, phones and our iPads and all the things. There's just like a space over in a corner and we put our um, electronics there. So that's really, really helpful. Um, just kind of in line with what you're saying, Boudreaux. Um, another thing that, and this is really practical, but I, I know that people have gotten away from sitting down mm. without their devices and having dinner together. Like having, mm. for me, I'm like, hey, Shiloh, can you cut up the cucumbers? So getting your kids or your family or whomever involved. Um, I know that's different for a single person, but I guess I'm speaking from a mom's point of view. Like, um, having her set the tables, and then for for this is this might be a fun thing to do is um, create questions. And I know it sounds like wow, that's a lot, but create questions that you can ask your family, like during dinner. That okay, guys, I have a question for you, and it's not a yes or no question. It's a question that that helps them dig a little deeper about something that happened today, yeah. or or whatever, like, you know, who's your hero? I don't know, something like that. So creating space for having conversation that isn't just yes and no questions um, has been really practical. Also for me, slowing down does mean turning off my phone, but also meditating on the Psalms and reading a Psalm, not just one time through, but maybe five times through in different ways. So mm. really breaking down a Psalm and um, then praying after it. So taking a pause and like really creating space to like breathe it in and, and breathe it out. So um, being very intentional about uh, the way I'm reading a Psalm. Psalms are very calming. It slows your, your brain down. It, mm. You know, Okay. So this is already one of those podcasts that I will be <clears throat> listening to over and over because the, the, the advice the two of you just gave is great. I mean, I do agree with you, Chris, Christina, the, you know, about the source of the distractions, 
But I mean, Nova, the, you know, it's interesting because Christian is, our son is now, he's 30, right? And I, I used to, you know, I remember him being so young and having seasons where I was so busy that I wasn't creating talk time at the table. I would, I would make sure that we sat down at a table to have dinner together because statistics show you guys, I mean, this is stats show that families that sit down and have meals together experience fewer problems with their kids, like drugs, sex, and alcohol problems. I mean, it's, it, this has been one that's been proven time after time. <clears throat> so I always made sure to, to have family meals. But it's interesting because when I was listening to you, I got very inspired to actually get him involved in the cooking, even though he's now 30. You know, he's getting ready to come home for a couple of weeks for uh, for the Easter, you know, and so he'll stay an extra week and work from home here. But it is really interesting because even at 30, I can still say, hey, Christian, you do the cucumbers for the salad, you know, and I am finding that literally I have to be so much more intentional about creating questions and conversation that engage him around where he is in his life around what he's interested in, you know, at this stage of life. And it changes from season to season. So it's, that's such great advice that really, really inspires me for literally right now with the 30 year old. And, you know, honestly, we do it with our friends. I think we do it even more easily with our friends. You know, you, you sort of know where they are and, and you try to, create dialogue around where they are when you're together. But it, but I think it, intentionality is a big word. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be intentional about slowing your mind down. And for me, the most intentional thing I can do personally to slow my own mind down is to put my phone aside or to turn off the television you know, like you suggested to not fall asleep with the TV on to, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a TV kid. I grew up loving. I mean, I grew up knowing Mm -hmm. I wanted to work on television. So I grew up loving TV and loving watching TV. And I don't, I watch it clinically almost like a doctor. It's amazing. I even enjoy it because Mm -hmm. I watch everything. The I'll go back and rewatch something to see the way that it was shot from the cinematographer. Mm -hmm viewpoint. A lot of times I'll go back and listen because um, I want to, I want to check out someone's acting performance again, because I thought it was so good. Just like crazy stuff, but stuff that also engages me a lot and can distract Mm -hmm. my mind, you know? And and I love what you said, Nova, about reading the Psalms over and over again, you know? Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's so interesting as I'm like sitting here just thinking about that practical, like, well, what do I do? I, even if it was, you know, the scripture, we quote it a lot, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and take one verse and go, love the Lord your God, love the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all, yeah. like over and over, but, but highlighting different pieces of the scripture that mm. causes you to create a different rhythm in your mind and really deeply mm. think about what you're saying. And it does cause your whole body to just 
rest and, mm-hmm. and really be present with the Lord, you know, because, because there is not a double minded, there can't be a double mindedness there when you're mm-hmm. really like thinking and speaking out the word of God and slowing it down and, and really asking yourself, what does this mean after that's all said, what does this mean for me today in mm-hmm. my walk with Christ? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do that um, intentionally with <laughs> the scripture, be still and know that I am God. I've yeah. always loved it because you, you put the emphasis on each word and by the time you've actually gone through each word of that scripture, it, you're in a different place about God and the infinite possibilities that God has for your day and your life and being, you know, just being able to be and to experience stillness so that you can hear and think. And, and I, that is the place that we're attacked with social media is in that still place. You know, mm. experiencing stillness is really difficult when the beeps and the clink chings and the thumbs and the everything's going up and off and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know? I agree, Cynthia. Yeah. Like, so two of my friends, they um, were the creative directors of Jackson, which is like this like jewelry company that does like really cool like chains. They're very popular. So they were the creative directors. They're part of the whosoever's. They like did all the filming too. They booked the models also. It's like my friend, they're like a couple. And they now stepped away to now transition back into doing like everything freelance, like with their photography and videography, because they have more flexibility, like instead of just being at one place, because they had so much opportunity. But before they transitioned back into the season they're in now of like freelancing in LA and the industry again, I told them, I was like, you guys, your lives have been noisy for two years like just like and they literally told me that Christina we feel like we haven't had rest like they had did literally almost like 200 Mm -hmm. photo shoots within that two years which is a lot like my buddy was like building the sets at Jackson like they're booking the models they're doing the videography they're doing the photography it was a lot and so basically what they did is that they went on a road trip And they called me one day because they went to this like place along the coast and got this cottage on like a cliff overlooking the ocean and they only had Wi-Fi. They didn't have service and they called me and they were like, it feels so eerie. Like it's so quiet. It feels eerie. There's no one around. And I was like, you guys, the silence is very uncomfortable when you're, when your life has been so noisy for so long. And they told me, I just recently saw them last Sunday And they said, though, that those four days of being, you know, just overlooking the ocean and being still, they heard God speak to them so loudly. And that's really what the noise does in this world is that it drowns out the voice of God. And and that's one thing I wanted to share, too, is that noise in everyone's life looks different. Noise in my life is always being around people and not taking time away to just like be still before the Lord without people around. Like, yes, I have my Devo times, but sometimes like when I'm on tour or traveling, I'm with people 24 seven. Like I have my time with the Lord, but I'm in the grind like all day, every day, like flights, terminals, like, you know, tour vans, like always going that there's days that when I shut off, I have to completely shut off from people 
I have to put my phone on do not disturb. I have to not answer those text messages or calls because when I answer those text messages or calls or emails, I'm constantly stimulated. And so for some people, social, like I know with you, Cynthia, you, you handed over your social media to Anna, you know, and that was something that worked for you. And, but you could watch TV and you're fine, you know, and then for, for Nova, your husband could be on his phone and he's probably cool. And maybe that's not noise for him. And I think every person listening today has to ask themselves, what is the noise in your life? Pray about it, write it down and silence the noise. Like Ryan Reese's book is called killing the noise. Like you Mm. have to know what the noise is in your life, whether that's toxic friendships that are causing you to not rest codependent relationships that are sucking you dry. Um, you know, just whatever it is, like you got to know what your noise is. Like last week, yeah. going into last week, I, my joints and my body were hurting a lot. And I was like, why am I in pain with my arthritis? And I didn't realize until yesterday that I was under so much stress last week, but I'm used to like high stress situations because there's just some things going on in my family that was just causing me to be stressed, but I'm so used to stress that mentally it didn't translate. And in my heart, it didn't translate, but that stress was translating in my body. Yeah. That's why this week I literally yesterday just had to go for a jog to get my body moving. You know, obviously I'm like exercising and eating healthy, but I have to sometimes practically just step away to just like detox, you know, like from, so yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when you, people who have um, experienced high amounts of trauma, um, especially for extended periods of time, Christina, or like growing up in a lot of dysfunction and because I have a lot of, of this will happen where I will stop and and think sometimes, wow, anyone else would literally sit down and kill themselves or would like check out mentally or emotionally, like, but your tolerance level for insanity is so it can function at such a high level because you've been groomed to, to live there that it's really difficult. I think when the stillness comes in and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and walking with the Lord is about stillness. It's about peace. It's about, you know, um, toxicity leaving your life. But it is very interesting because that can present a challenge in and of itself. So like, you know, going back to even Annette's question, like, you know, this is such great practical advice for, for, for Annette and for everyone listening. A, you got to check in with yourself. And be a noticer of yourself and what's creating the noise in your life. And I think B, you have to actually try to set your 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 ability to deal with a lot of stress and trauma. You have to try to reset it to normal and then understand, you know, be a noticer of your health. Because I think you're right, you know, CB, you may be able to deal with it mentally and emotionally on the outside, but it's affecting your physical now. So you have to kind of be aware of your physical body and how it responds to stuff. Because I know, yeah, I get fatigued sometimes and I won't know why. And then I'll stop and think, well, I mean, every day, this is basically what you're, you know, 
what you're dealing with is X, Y, and Z, you know? And so, and then, then you don't even, you know, you don't even know what's normal and what's not normal. Um, I just want to, some of the comments coming in are great. And Anna, I want to encourage you to please be playing them on screen for our live audience. But, um, you know, Salumbra writes in, and this is a great way to help yourself calm your mind and not focus on, I think, things that you don't need to be focused on, but volunteer and help others. You know, it really Mm -hmm. helps to take the focus off of yourself if you're the feet and the hands of Jesus. And that is so true. And a lot, look, you know, I woke up this morning with, and, and you said it CB. So I'll just say it with a tremendous amount of like stress, like, Mm -hmm. and, and, and for me, it's normal. And I sitting here realizing how abnormal the levels of it are, you know, but it is what it is. And, you know, that's life. And mom always told me there'd be days like this, as the song says. But, you know, the second, like for me that I start girl club, you know, or the second for me that I disengage myself from my own feelings and emotions and I engage with other people's feelings and emotions or just with the Lord, you know, just, okay, Lord, let me just be your girl today. What do you need from me? Like, let me just be your girl. And then he'll shift my focus from me to someone else. And so the volunteering of my heart and my soul and my mind to be his is really, it does, it really does help, you know, to Mm. calm my mind, you know, and to bring me to a place of single-mindedness, you know, as as a That's good, Cynthia. I I was thinking about some, I I love Salambra's comment about, I actually had a really crazy week last week and I was definitely, definitely experiencing some double minded feelings. And it's so funny because the Lord told me, go grab a cup of coffee for this young mom who has her hands full with three kids and wow. And it just kind of took me out of my own anxiousness and my own stuff. And honestly helped me not be so self-focused <laughs> to be, you know, and, and really doing for others yeah. and stepping outside of ourselves. Cause we, I know I can, I don't want to say everybody, but I know that I can, you know, we've talked about before, but take a thought and just go and spiral down. And so to break that, you go out and you do something for someone else. And I actually love that advice so much. The other thing that a girlfriend and I do, um, and, and she lives an incredibly busy, uh, life as well. But, um, my friend Kristen and I text each other every day and we decide to do it for 30 days. I have a feeling it'll go longer, but we, there's no repeats and we have to text each other, a picture or something we are just really thankful for that's different every single day. And it really, if you're in a funk or, you know, feeling so overtly busied, like taking a small cup of coffee and taking a picture of it and going, I'm so thankful for this or whatever it is. So it, that kind of helps me too. That, that's something maybe just like super practical that you can do with a friend and it keeps, you know, your, um, your mind engaged on gratitude and thanking the mm-hmm. Lord for the moments. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it, it, that is really true. You know, no, it's like, It's easy. You know, we get immersed in, you know, in our worlds and look, and the thing is, I don't even think that I don't even think most people, you know, you go through your day and I realize like most of the time I don't, you know, I'll say, "Ah, you know, I have this going on or, you know, 
got to take care of these bills or these contractors or whatever, because the real stuff is just too much to get into in, in a moment of what's going on. So you try to spare the people you love, you know, the, the, well, okay, let's talk through the, you know, the new five doctors and the old three doctors and the, this and the, that, and the, you know, and it's like, you know, that to me, the sort of everything that's going on in my life can cause a lot of the double-mindedness. Um, and it's, and it's, it's more about the fears. I think it's the fearful things that are going on in life, you know, which, and, and most of, you know, you know, mine have centered around really just my, my husband's health, you know, in the last few years. And, um, and it's interesting because, you know, Jesus says constantly, bring your fears to me in a million ways. He says it, you know, cast your cares upon me, uh, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to me. You know, basically what he's saying is, look, I'm listening and your worry isn't going to achieve anything, you know, but it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with it. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, I think the single-mindedness is when you really reel it all in and you bring it to the feet of the cross, you realize that, at least I do, that I can't respond and, and react and treat people, treat others, you know, according to the levels of attack or, um, you know, anxiety that I'm experiencing, the, the double-mindedness. And double-mindedness is really just, you know, the enemy telling you that things are different than God is telling you. He's, make, he's, giving, you, he's giving you a double mind about the way mm-hmm. that you're seeing the situations in your life. You know, what is, what, how does God see this? You know, God sees all things through a lens of victory, healing, faith. You know, God sees everything as, you know, God, God goes after the one. So even with, you know, his time and like how we, how he uses his time, you know, it's like, I think about how much time he sits silently by watching us kind of waiting for us to give him the floor in our lives to speak you know, or to give him the power in our lives to act on our behalf. And, and I realized, you know, it's just something, it's hard for us. It's harder. You know, we struggle with, <laughs> we struggle with the things that, you know, that Jesus doesn't, duh, you know, we should, we're human, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I love someone wrote something in and it was so funny, uh, uh, some advice I read a quote, Salumbra said this, um, no, no, who said this? Give it to God and go to sleep. Ah, Donna, there's a plaque that I saw that says, give it to God and go to sleep. <laughs> it's true. It's funny, but it's true. Cheers. cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> you know, because I mean, I, yeah. when I can, if I tell yeah. you, the, yeah, the amount of nights that I get woken up in the middle of the night lately with panic, anxiety, worry, and attack, you know, about some of these issues. It's just, you know, it's like I'm having to give it to God two or three times a night, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Salumbra writes, I read a quote that said, learning how to be still, to really be still and let life happen. That stillness becomes radiance. Wow. Yeah. And you know, Cynthia, yeah. one thing... One thing that I think 
it boils down to is like the busyness of people is that people are never satisfied. People never truly experience true satisfaction. People never experience stillness because they're never satisfied. And what came to mind is just the story of the woman at the well, but just how when the Lord tells her in verse 13, John chapter 4, 13, he said, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. That water that I give him will be will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And when I think of that spring of water, like there's so many things in our life that are like rocks that are creating, that are stopping the flow of that water, like into our hearts or out of our hearts, which is like God's spirit in our life. And every time I travel overseas, like I remember when I was in the Philippines in 2017, I was there for a month and we went to this area where the tribes are at the very, very end of this island. And these people have never seen someone that like wasn't Filipino. And these kids had this small can with like a sandal and they were just throwing stuff at it. And they were playing this game for like hours. And I just thought to myself, like, man, dude, these little kids have nothing, but yeah. they're so stoked on this game that's so simple but yet i come here to the u.s and i have i see kids screaming at their parents in target to buy them that next toy to buy them that next playstation they open all these presents on christmas and they're not satisfied because i think it goes back to like you don't know what you're missing out on till someone tells you that you're missing out and these kids in the philippines like they are so satisfied with a simple life and even like some of my like I'm going back to India in July and my my friends and I we, the, my friends in southern India have the biggest widows ministry in southern India they gather like 700 widows once a month at their compound and from 12 villages and they feed them and there's this one widow we met who because of a widow you know she was thrown out but my friends you know they're working with the government on building houses for the widows And this widow had a very simple house, you know, with a really cute stove. And she wanted, she wanted to cook for us. Like she didn't have a lot, but I looked at the smile on her life, on her, on on her life and on her face. And that was, she was, she was radiating the love of Christ. She had given her life to Christ. And this woman was so satisfied. Yeah. Even through trial of being thrown out, even through tribulation, she had found in the simple like the simplicity of just what it meant to love Christ and follow Christ. There's so much satisfaction, but yeah, I meet older women like here in the U S right. That might be her age, like grandmas mm-hmm. and they're just not satisfied because they don't have the next yeah. car or the next house or the next whatever. Yeah. And I just think that that is how the enemy often brings dissatisfaction is by constantly putting in front of us what we don't have. So we work harder to get that. And then that doesn't satisfy. So he puts the next thing and we work harder to get that. And that doesn't satisfy. And it's this vicious cycle. But when we can simplify our life, and I'm not saying getting rid of all the nice things you have. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you're truly satisfied in Christ, whether you have that thing or not, you're satisfied because you have him. And I know Cynthia, you've gone through like some things of loss, you know, when those people broke into your house, like last year, but the, but the satisfaction yeah, I saw in your life and the joy I saw in your life was because you were like, man, Lord, like I could lose these things, 
but because I have Christ, like I have everything, you know? And so I think that's like, well, yeah. I mean, look, because I mean, I was satisfied that my, my son, my niece, who was pretty much living with us at the time and my husband weren't there. I wasn't there. So nobody was there to get hurt. I mean, the, the rest of it is, um, the rest of it is just stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. just stuff and stuff has always come and gone in my life, you know, just, I mean, it just always has. I I probably have always been perfectly suited to be in media because Jerry Lewis looked at me one year and he said, kid, you've chosen a profession in which you're always unemployed. You're one day from unemployed. And it's true. Every show starts, every show ends. Yeah. There are seasons. That's why they call it. Which season are you in of your favorite show on Netflix? You know, it's season four. Oh, there's five seasons of that series. They started, they ended, you know, they may have been the biggest things, but you know, it's only that which we do for the Lord that does not end. So to me, I just look at it as well, whether I'm doing that for the Lord in what the medium looks like, I, I don't know. I just know that I want to always be doing for the Lord. You know, sure. living my living my life about myself is just really boring <laughs> and and not that satisfying. And it's interesting the word you use, sat, satisfy. You know, I'd love to, let, let, let's talk about that a little bit, right? So like, what does satisfy you? And I think that's really, that's really something to think about, you know, for all of us. Well, what will make you feel satisfied right now today? You know, and I think most of us, our minds go to, you know, the solution to a, a problem that you, that you feel that you have that may or may not even be a problem, right? In the big picture, um, you know, maybe it's, well, I need this to get done, or I need that to get done, or I, w-, you know, you know, but what truly satisfies us, you know, is it's probably a lot less than we actually, than, than what actually comes to mind. Like, I almost feel like there's these layers of it. Like Mm -hmm. someone will say, well, what satisfies you? Oh, well, you know, and then you list the litany of kind of tangible secular things, but then it's like, no, but what really satisfies you? Well, you know, I want my husband to be fully healthy, knowing that my husband and my son are healthy satisfies my soul, you Mm -hmm. know? The rest of it is icing on the cake. Yeah. You know, and um, I think it's really, you know, John writes, be still and know I am God, you know, going back to that. But yeah, I mean, I I almost think that being still before answering those kinds of questions is really critical because if not, what happens with the, the movement of our brain is that we automatically go to the fleshly and the secular, you know, mm-hmm. cause that's where we're vibrating most of the day when most of the day, our vibrations need to be slowed way down and be at a place where we're satisfied just in every moment with having breath in our lungs, you know, um, Teresa writes in, I really don't think I'm at the play at that place of being satisfied in my singleness, even after 31 years, but I'm well able to live alone and I'm extremely, extremely grateful. And I love to laugh. I think that's good. 
You know, I do. I think that's good. And I think, look, you know, I think Teresa, then you kind of have identified a place after 31 years where maybe you have to find some satisfaction in your singleness. You know, Um, John writes in, I'm a widower and single and still in caregiving. Well, I have to believe that for John, the caregiving is the part of, of John, I have to believe that that's the part of your life that keeps you from being self-focused, you know, on the things, honestly, that the enemy would want to use. You know, you're a widower, you're single, you know, it's like the enemy will go automatically to those places of the flesh that cause us to feel double-minded. You know, if you're really singular with God, you're living a life thinking about others, helping others, caring for others, and your focus isn't on being a widower or being single. Your focus then becomes on what the Lord wants you to do. And there's nothing that helps me focus better on what the Lord wants me to do than to focus on other people and, and, and doing something to help their lives. Mm. You know, um, power of a virtuous woman writes in, I know right now I've been unsatisfied in my life since healing hasn't come my way yet. I'm going to multiple specialists and now an oncologist yet. God has really been working on me being patient yet. Girlfriend. All I can say is I feel you on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, it's interesting. I think with my husband's illness, I've come to this place where I just like, if I could be satisfied knowing that he would be okay, I'd be okay with the constant, you know, healing walk. Yeah. But there's like, my faith is supposed to be in Christ in that area to know that he's okay. No matter what I see in the natural, he's a, I mean, he's God's guy, Mm. you know, hands down period. So I know he's okay. It's the rest of it, you know, and the me and the us and the I, Mm -hmm. I think that we deal with, you know, that, that takes our, you know, our satisfaction away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cynthia, I think that that life is, when you think of the life of Job, his whole life was about finding every every journey in life is about finding a deeper satisfaction in the Lord. And that is really what the journey of Job's life was about through the loss of his children, his possessions, friends, everything. He, he found that he was satisfied in the Lord. And I think that is why the Lord doesn't always heal us right away or give us that spouse right away or give us that job right away or that car or whatever it is, is because he wants to take us on a journey to help us realize that the satisfaction isn't about getting that healing or that spouse or that job or that car. The satisfaction is in him. So if we on the journey, we learn to be satisfied in him by the time we God does heal us or he does give us that spouse, we'll realize like, Hey, I was already satisfied in the Lord. I was already content in him before this. And now that I have this, I'm not looking to the vessel to satisfy what only the hands of the potter could do in my life, you know? And, and I heard a quote by someone, I don't know who this is or who said it, but they said it at church a while ago. And they said, the only one that can satisfy the human soul is the one that created it. And it's true. Like 
nothing in this world can satisfy and will no amount of healing, no, no spouse, no, no child, no career will ever satisfy, but the Lord. And that's why we live in the most dissatisfied, um, like world is in discontent world is because everyone has what they've wanted or has worked for and they got it and they realize the vessel's empty and they're like, well, what now? But it was always found in the Lord. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's easy. It's easier to talk about than to do, you know, and I think that's what this life is, is about, you know, is that it's, it's, it's the issues, the issues are real. The dialogue about it is real. The people attached to all of these issues are real. It's the faith that's very, it's difficult to apply the real faith to these very real situations. And, you know, that's, that's why for me, you know, it's, it's, it's important to see, I think that your own life is like, you're not the only one. A lot of times in a struggle or in a feeling, you're not the only one. And I think that's why, look, that's why AA is so, you know, helpful to people with problems, you know, with, with alcohol issues or any, any addictions, you know, people find comfort and solace in groups because for me, you know, the first thing that I found when I was a young person and I started going to AA with a friend of mine who was really struggling and, and then I realized that I just, I had an addictive personality also. So it may not have been alcohol, but it was, I mean, the ism, the addiction, the ism was playing itself out in all these different areas of my life. And, um, so basically, you know, for me going through, it was powerful to go through the 12 steps and to start to understand what addiction is about, what addictive personality is about. And, it's really interesting because bottom line, it's about not being satisfied and, and, and the, and the fear that, that comes with that, you know, and whether one draw, you know, does, is it the fear first and then the not satisfied? Is it the not satisfied first? And then the fear, I think it kind of, you know, goes hand in hand, which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, I don't know, but they definitely seem to both exist together, you know, um, I love, I love this comment from Delyn. I'm 54 and single and want to get married, but I want what God wants more for me more. Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. I think you put that statement, but I want what God wants for me more in, you put that behind any statement that you could make right there. And you slow that thought down. I think that's where we will feel satisfied. Like yeah. I, I want this, but I really want what God has more because, you know, he is so good and he does have a plan and he promises that, but it is like, practically speaking, it's, it's hard to do it in real time. And that's yeah. why we have to slow down. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And that's what, you know, my, my thing over the year has been, it's interesting. I got be still and know that I'm God. And then I, which was interesting because I was like, oh, okay, there's a place of still that I'm, 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 I need to be walking in through this year. And then health was another word that I felt I got. And <laughs> obviously it's going to take a lot of stillness to deal with the challenges of, you know, health, 
issues that we're mm-hmm. dealing with, you know, which do, it shouldn't surprise me. You know, it doesn't surprise me, but I, I, I think just, you know, for all of us being able to get to a place of trusting God with when we feel scattered and our minds feel too busy and our day feels overwhelming. I think it's, if we can trust God enough to sit down and be still and know that he is what God He's God. You know, it's not, he's not just father, brother, friend. He is those things, but more, but, but above all those things, he's also God who created the heavens and the earth. And he's the God that we've chosen to put our trust in and our faith in. So if we, you know, I often will say to myself, like, you know, look, I mean, if you've chosen to put your faith and your trust in him, then believe him. Then at some point in life, Take, take him at his word for what you've chosen to believe in. And I think this is a problem for a lot of believers is that you make the choice to put your trust in God and to, and to, you know, sort of feel like, say you believe in him, but then you don't ever get to that place where you really then stand and believe every single word that flows out of the word of God. Hmm. It's just, you know, I, I mean, I, I see it or why, or why would Christianity feel so lacking to so many people? I think it's because in a lot of ways as believers, we've evidenced it to be lacking in some way. You know, look, I remember being at dinner with a a girlfriend's um, husband. We were in the South of France one year lovely, lovely woman, friend of mine. And they're an incredibly wealthy and powerful couple, not just, you know, not normal, but on a world stage. And I remember he said to me one night at dinner, he said, well, it's very sad about your God. He's not a Christian. Um, And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, you know, one of our homes is in Florida in the States. And so every now and then I like to channel surf. And so I sit and I surf through all of the TV shows late at night. And I see all these Christian TV stations and all of the people on them are begging for money. And so your God must be very poor, which is very, very sad, must be very sad. And it was, (laughs) it was such a disturbingly powerful, real, impressive in a lot of ways, impressive, on my spirit in a lot of ways, conversation and statement he made, because what we're evidencing to people around the world is that we beg for money, that we beg for God to show up, that we, and we're his children. We're not orphans. He's prepared a banquet table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I, and I realized then at some point I have to live think and move as if he is truly the God of all creation, the Lord of every situation. And he's wealthy enough. My father is rich beyond compare and can help me and deal with everything as it has, you know, as I have need. And, you know, it was just a powerful statement, you know, cause like what are our lives evidencing to other people about satisfaction and trust and faith in God. 
You know, what are our actions saying? Yeah. 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 I I think of Psalm 23, one that says, I think it's one, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall Mm -hmm. not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I mean, that if that's not a scripture about being satisfied in our shepherd, like I have nothing. He is everything. I have nothing else but him. I shall not want. Yeah. For, for anything but him. And I, I know that's a, that's a place where it feels like goals, you know, well, if I could only say that and truly mean it, but I think that's the point of us peeling everything back, slowing down. And perhaps we say today, after we get off this podcast, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, mm-hmm. and just focus there and be present yeah. with him in that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's the perfect place you guys to start wrapping it up for this week. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And for those of you listening on podcast, thanks for joining us, you know, and, and for those of you watching on live stream, thank you. Your comments are amazing. A lot of activity today. If, If you're listening on podcast, it's, it's a, We're glad you're with us and we want you to be with us, however you can hear us, but you you definitely miss out on the, on the interaction that happens right here live every, every Monday. Um, We love you guys, you know, thank you. Uh, Thank you to Life Audio for hosting us and um, don't forget to like us, subscribe, share, tell a friend, guys, tell a friend, tell even an unbelieving friend, because I think you kind of have guessed this is a pretty safe space for people who are babies also, who are babies in the faith. You know, we're not here to judge you. We're here to help you find faith, you know, in the living God. And uh, Salumpa writes, yes, Miss Nova, mic drop. So Mm -hmm. from all of us here at Girl Club to you guys, thank you and have a Mm -hmm. blessed week. And I really sit with that question, you know, sit sit with that psalm. It's important. The Lord is our shepherd and we should not want. So let's try to trust him this week with, with everything. Let's try not to want, but let's try to live in the, the, the faith in the promises that he's made over our lives and, Mm -hmm. and all of, and all of his promises are yes. And amen. So that's it for girl club this week. You guys, we love you. Peace out. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.